the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The airing of this program by this station is not an endorsement or recommendation by the station of the products or services discussed in the program. The station does not guarantee the results of any investments made by a listener to this program. Josh Pick is the Chief Investment Advisor with Aptus Wealth Management, a state-registered investment advisory firm. This program is sponsored by Aptus Wealth Management. Exposure to ideas and financial vehicles discussed should not be considered investment advice or recommendation to buy or sell financial vehicles. This information should not be considered tax or legal advice. Individuals should consult with professionals to see if any ideas expressed would fit their specific situation. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. Securities can fluctuate and when redeemed may be more or less than when originally invested. Welcome in to the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Radio Show. I'm Bruce Hooley here with Josh Pick. And for the next hour, we'll be talking to you about how you can arrive at financial independence. That's another way to think about retirement. Everybody wants to get to a position later in life where their hard work has paid off and they have a lot of their financial situation managed. And the best way to do that, of course, is to invest your money and to have somebody invest it who knows what they're doing and can help grow your nest egg so that you don't have those late surprises in life. That's what they specialize in at Aptus Wealth Management. Their firm is located in Lewis Center, just off Route 750, and you can get a hold of them for a free no-obligation consultation, 614-917-1040, 614-917-1040, or reach out to them on the web and make your appointment that way at Aptus Wealth, A-P-T-U-S, aptuswealth.com. They can service clients outside the area remotely. So if you like what you hear today, you'd like to get to know Josh, you can set up that consultation online. But if you're in the area, we'd love to have you do it in person. Just a little bit better communication. You get to know each other better. And the uh, offices of Aptus are not far from the 270 and 23 interchange. So Josh, welcome in. And uh, I was looking this week at headlines about the economy. And of course, uh, the Biden administration keeps talking about how the economy is is growing and doing well. And there's a lot of evidence or at least some evidence in the headlines that can sort of support that. And the one that stuck out to me is a story from Bloomberg that said strongest U.S. economic growth since 2021. That's not a long time, but man, it is strong. Economic growth is good. Puts the Fed in a tough spot. Now, the Fed has raised interest rates a lot to try to get inflation under control. And the thing that I hear that uh, is a little bit of a mystery to me is that there is a robust consumer spending powering our economy. And, you know, maybe it's my personal situation. Maybe it's my reading the headlines. But I'm just mystified by where is the robust consumer spending coming from? Where is the money coming from? I thought we spent through our free checks during COVID and I thought inflation was eating into everybody's budgets. So I'm a little bit confused by robust consumer spending. Can you shed some light on that for us? Well, just because there's robust consumer spending, it doesn't mean that we're spending money that we actually have. Uh, Because on one hand, you know, you have robust, if you want to call it that, consumer spending or increased consumer spending. But at the same time, we have simultaneous increase in consumer debt. So the question is, where is that money coming from? And, you you know, this as well as I do, sometimes you question whether or not what you hear in the news is accurate or not, or is there kind of a back-ended reason for this? And this could be 
that, you know, the Fed is still somewhat stuck between a rock and a hard place. On one hand, they're tasked with drawing down inflation, but the main tool that they have to do that is increase interest rates. When you increase interest rates, you lower the essentially the productivity productivity of the economy. That's what they're trying to do is slow down the economy so that inflation gets in order. And, you know, that puts them in a difficult spot because at, at no point do they want to be viewed as the reason that we got thrown into a recession. So if maybe if we lead that with the news saying, actually, we have robust spending, so that's why we feel comfortable potentially raising interest rates, and then it goes the other way, well, it wasn't our fault. We didn't do it. We had robust spending, so we should have been okay to do it, rather than saying we were already in a difficult spot, we raised rates, we exacerbated the problem. Well, I know that the uh, folks in your industry and the folks around, you know, different industries that relate to the economy were surprised this week when the gross domestic product was projected to have grown at an annual rate of 4.5% last quarter. And that's more than double the pace of the previous quarter. And so we know we have the jobs numbers are always higher than everybody says. We have this gross domestic uh, product rate that's higher than everybody says. Uh but I don't know, Josh, I don't I don't feel like people feel like the economy is doing well. Uh, are we fooling ourselves or do these numbers fool us in some way, shape or form? Well, I think the big question right now is sustainability. <laughs> OK, so let's say we agree that all these numbers are great and that the economy is pointed in the right direction. You always have this polarity between different camps of thought. Is the market going to continue to do well? Is my 401k safe? Is my job safe? Uh, we're hearing nothing but positive news coming out in GDP and consumer spending. But at the same time, we can point to those two things. We could point to other ratios. Like, for example, if you look at the price per share of a stock versus the sales per share. So think of it this way. How much am I paying for a stock versus how much of that stock is being sold, bought and sold on an active basis? Which means you have... A lot of people that are maybe either getting out of the market or they're somewhat actively or day trading that individual stock. Neither one of those things is a good prognosis for that stock price long term. So much so that if you break the stock market out into deciles, say 10 year periods, and you say when people are trading very actively in a stock or they're getting out of a stock at a, at a very high level, what is the future, the following 10 years look like in performance? And Bruce, you'd be shocked at the disparity in that. Well, here we are. We're off the chart in a sales ratio versus price ratio that is exorbitantly high. So if you look at that, you go, well, well, that's a bad ratio. It's never really been wrong. Every time that ratio has been really high, the stock market has gone into a period of really lagging returns. Or you look at where are we in kind of the pinwheel, if you want to think of it as seasons, of kind of an economy. And although spending looks to be high, GDP looks to be high, it also looks like we're kind of in a credit contraction period and we have this outstanding debt. So for every good piece of advice or good news that you can see, you have contrarian terrible news. And then you add in the prospect of, you know, performance and what that's been over the last, uh, you know, let's call it 20 months. And you don't have a lot of good things to necessarily look at. So we're trying to figure out what's going forward. And that's the challenge. 
Josh Pick, Bruce Hooley with you, the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Radio Show. It replays tomorrow at noon here on 989 The Answer. And we hope that you will take advantage of your free no obligation consultation with Josh and the Aptus team. Set that up by calling their office 614-917-1040. 614-917-1040. You can also make your appointment, <coughs> excuse me, online, your appointment online at Aptus Wealth, A-P-T-U-S, aptuswealth.com. So, we get caught up in these uh, numbers uh, analysis, uh, and I think sometimes uh, short-term wise, it's hard to make sense of things because we're looking at it through maybe too fine of a prism. So let's go back a little bit. We know 2022 was a bad year, but if you go back to 2022 and 2023 is supposedly better, as we've talked about some of these metrics right now, have we regained or uh, reasserted uh, gains that have offset the losses of 2022? Could you take maybe a long view here, maybe a two-year view since that tough period which began in 2022? Yeah, you know, we're, we're all, anytime we invest in the stock market or anything for that matter, just merely the term investment means we're looking at a long-term view. But our emotions sometimes prevent us from really keeping that long-term view. So if we look at last year, it's easy for us to compartmentalize and say, well, last year was awful. The market was down, you know, if you take dividends out of it, 20% roughly or 18% including dividends, the bond market was down in the teens, about 13% if you look at the aggregate bond index. But, you know, that was that, that was last year. This year, we're up double digits, everything's great. When in reality, if you look at the S&P 500, or SPY is the only way you could invest in that in the least expensive way possible, the ETF, you're still, if you look from January 2022 till today, you're still down almost 5%. If you look at the NASDAQ, which has kind of led the charge <laughs> this year, you look at these growth stocks, which are doing tremendously well, particularly tech stocks. Well, those were down 5.7%, so down 1% more than the S&P over the last 20 months or so. The 10 year treasury. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to do a 60 40 portfolio and save myself with the seven to 10 year treasury. Well, that's down just shy of 10%. So that's actually done almost twice as bad as the market has done. So where's the good news? Well, the good news is if you put your money in commodities, think oil, think corn, soy, mm -hmm. right? Wheat, you're up 11.3% since 20. 22. Mm. Now, you know, but a lot of people say that's, that's really risky. Um, I'm going to put all my money in gold. And while gold has outperformed the S&P 500, it's only up 1%. You would have been better off putting your money just in a savings account or in CDs over the same time period. And then short-term treasuries up about 3%. So really what this shows is over the last, let's say 20 months or so, your best bet was to be in real hard assets and or bank and short-term treasury instruments. Now, the question is, where should we go looking forward? Well, if, if you believe, if you're in the camp that believes that, hey, GDP growth is great and consumer spending is up and the prospects for the next 12 months look great, well, then by all means, you should be in the stock market. If you're contrarian to that and you believe, well, I don't like the looks of these things, it, it looks like the stock market is not going to do well, well, then you should be in Gold, short-term treasuries, CDs, tips, things like that that have much more of a safe play, That, which, by the way, are earning somewhere between that 5 and 6, <laughs> even sometimes north of 6. But I don't think you can really, if you think about it, can you rely on that kind of day trading mentality where 
I know I have a crystal ball over the next six months of exactly what's going to happen. I think that's that's a foolhardy plan. So what do you actually do? Well, I think you set some parameters for your investments where you say, this is my timetable. This is my overall risk tolerance of some kind. And by risk tolerance, I don't mean you fill out a 10-question questionnaire and it tells you who you are. I mean, this is the amount of bookend risk that I'm willing to take, meaning this is the amount of volatility in my portfolio I'm willing to take. And then knowing that, what combination of investments should I be in that develops an kind of all-weather plan that creates a roller coaster ride that I can live with that puts me in the best spot to accomplish my goals without just being terrified and hiding, you know, all my money under the mattress? Yeah, that's not a good strategy. And if you want a good strategy, I mean, I'm, my personal strategy was to turn over our retirement to Josh and the Aptus team. It's a decision my wife and I made together. We were not on the cusp of retirement, but we were close enough that we knew we couldn't afford that big mistake because there wouldn't be time to make up for that big mistake. And if you're in that situation or you just want to investigate and find out if you're a fit with Josh and Aptus, then set up your free appointment, no obligation consultation. Do it on the phone, 614, set up your appointment on the phone, rather, 614-917-1040. Go in the office. You can make that appointment online as well, Wealth, A-P-T-U-S, aptuswealth.com. Most people, Josh, who uh, pay any attention to the financial headlines know the name Jamie Dimon. He's the, the CEO of J.P. Morgan Chase, and when he talks, people pay attention. Uh, he said uh, here recently that the Federal Reserve's economic forecast is 100% dead wrong, that their track record over the past 18 months, which would encompass all this uh, raising of interest rates to try to get inflation under control, has been 100% dead wrong. Um, I'm just curious, were you surprised at the uh, maybe uh, severity of his comments? And uh, how do you feel about his assessment of what the Fed has done over the past 18 months? I mean, inflation has come down, from a high of 9.1%. So <laughs> some of what they've done has worked. Yeah, you know, and, and I don't think he's alone. I think it's important <laughs> to note that, that he is not alone. Jamie Dimon, Ray Dalio of uh, Bridgewater, you know, I mean, a lot of these folks believe that the Fed is dead wrong. And I can't say that I disagree with them, but I think it's a mere function of the Fed. The Fed is a reactionary entity that does just that. It's a lagging indicator. I mean, they're seeing what has happened and then reacting to it. And economic forecasts are about as accurately predicted as the weather. Uh, you know, there's there's an idea, there's a forecast or something to go off of, and sometimes they're right, but oftentimes they're wrong. Now, the other thing that you have to recognize, though, is by the time you get to a level of Jamie Dimon, who's <coughs> one of the largest financial institutions in the world in, you know, J.P. Morgan Chase, there is a little bit of uh, politicking going on at the top, and it's always curious to see what his move is for his bank. There could be an underlying um, vested interest in the uh, what he's conveying to the media. So, you know, you take it as one of the pieces of the puzzle, but you don't take what he says as gospel either. Interesting. Uh, you can get a hold of Josh and the Aptus team at 614-917-1040 to set up your free consultation. 614-917-1040. And of course, when we talk about retirement, Josh, you know, we're talking about uh, our own personal lives. I'm just curious, like, uh, how much of a focus is retirement uh, for people in the rest of the world? Is that a concept that people in the rest of the world 
even really think about? And is there any metric out there that measures like how uh, U.S. citizens are doing in retirement compared to, you know, stacking up against other countries? Is there a way to measure that? You know, most of the major powers of the world, so think of every European country, China, the United States, Canada, list goes on, has some sort of retirement program. And those retirement programs encompass, you know, in the United States, it's our social security program. Canada has something very, very similar. And then we have our pension plans, 401ks, et cetera. And there are are a myriad of agencies that kind of look at all of those around the world and say, how do they stack up? How are they doing? What is consumer sentiment? And what do they believe um, about their own pension plans? And, you know, there's an article recently in the USA Today uh, covering just that. And apparently, and I did not know this, there's an institute called the Mercer CFA Institute of Glo- Global Pension Index, which is, uh, you, you know, some sort of uh, entity that examines uh, pension plans and social security programs, 401ks around the world. And unfortunately, uh, the United States received what is essentially a C grade, a C plus, uh, but that is on the decline. And, you know, <clears throat> decline is, is something that you and I speak about all the time, Bruce. There's all these different, you know, it, it measures adequacy and st- uh, sustainability and integrity, et cetera. And where it seems to be declining mostly is in integrity. Hmm. And integrity, according to them, is, and I'm going to actually read this, is governance and protection, which means is the government actually doing what it needs to do to continually make this program viable? Communication, reasonable costs for people in the system, a safety net, you know, things that you would think, can we trust what is being done for us? And that has gone from 70, let's call it 72% just a couple of years ago, all the way down to less than 60% of the 47, 50-ish countries that they looked at, it seems to be universal across the board, which is what tells me that, you know, it's so important that a community has confidence in where they're putting their money. You and I need to feel very comfortable that if we forego our instant gratification, if we don't go (laughs) buy the shiny new toy, but instead we try and put money into something that's going to add to our long-term financial security, that we want to feel very comfortable that that money's going to be there when we need it. And in general, people just don't seem to believe or believe even what they see and what they hear is true, which I think points towards, you know, just our general, the general degradation. And maybe this is the 24-hour news cycle. Maybe it's because of historical, you know, track record. But what we see in here, we just simply don't believe. We have a very low trust for our government. And we don't believe necessarily that, that if we put all of our trust in our companies and our government, that they necessarily have our best interests at heart. Now, add on top of that, what is the impact of AI and scams going to be? And it's a whole kind of ballywick of a problem. So I, I think what it really points to is now more than ever, you need to grab the bull by the horns. You need to create your own pension. You need to not be reliant upon others to take care of you because I don't know that that ambulance for your retirement plan is coming. I I think you better really find somebody whom you trust and between you and them come up with a plan that you're comfortable with that you believe will actually be there. 
Well, and I think that's, you know, something you and I've talked about before this phenomenon, this changing phenomenon. And that's why, you know, I talk all the time about the peace of mind Sherry and I gained by becoming aptest clients is because we're not in charge of our retirement anymore. I mean, we're in charge of the fact that we, you know, ceded that control to you guys. But this phenomenon is that I think people used to work for a company a long time and they felt like the company was going to take care of them, take care of them with a pension. Or even when we moved out of the pension world, we moved into 401ks. And I mean, I had a 401k and wow, the company matches and you just felt like the company had your back and they were matching. And then, I don't know, we got into like a widespread economic situation where it became harder for companies to be able to afford to match. And you still had the 401k, but it really wasn't kind of that warm fuzzy there that, hey, the company's helping me out. They're helping me retire. They're giving me 25% or whatever, in addition to my investments. So I think some of that integrity you know, deficit has to do with the way that companies have not failed, but have ceased to be a part of a a long-term employee's efforts to set aside money for retirement. Is that a phenomenon that you see maybe contributing to that lowered integrity score? Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, it's kind of over time been kind of water just hitting the sands of the beach and just gradually kind of clawing back some of the benefits that we had. I mean, in the past, with a pension, you you didn't have to do anything. The company just took care of it. Then they said, well, good news. We have to get rid of that, but we're going to do this 401k, but we're going to match. Well, the matches have kind of started to go away. And now we're talking about, you hear all these rumblings in the news of, well, is the government going to nationalize 401ks? And it just seems like as we get ahead, we get clawed back behind. And then you look at something like Social Security and you say, <coughs> they keep on saying it's going to run out of money. Well, if it's going to run out of money, somehow, at some point, it's going to run out of money in the early 2030s. You've seen statistics somewhere between 2032 and 2035. Well, if we know that's going to happen, why are we not doing anything about it? You know, if we know that Social Security isn't going to be solvent, why is the government not changing something? But you and I both know, Bruce, that the first president that's going to address that is the one that happens to be in office when the thing's going to actually run out of money. So we have very little confidence in solutions. We just see the government and politics as being just that, just politics. Yeah, and people get very territorial about Social Security. I mean, when they get on the cusp of it, they feel like, hey, I've paid into this my whole life. It better be there for me. And Josh is right. Like you may have to arrange your own figurative ambulance ride for your retirement. And fortunately, that opportunity is there for you. It can start with your free consultation with Aptus, 614-917-1040, 614-917-1040 to set that up. You can also do it online at Aptus Wealth, A-P-T-U-S, aptuswealth.com. They're located just off Route 750 in Lewis Center. Uh, what do you see coming uh, on that horizon for Social Security? I mean, I, I do agree with you that we're going to kick that can as far as we can down the road, but there are a lot of options there for the government, and they could take, you know, they could look at people's individual wealth and say, look, you're set. You don't get to take Social Security. Do you have a, a picture in mind as to how they're going to eventually address that? Because you, you they will kick that can down the road, but eventually that can is going to have to require some attention. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. I don't think they're going to address it until they have to, but I think it's going to be an amalgam or a combination of a bunch of things. I think that ultimately the retirement age will be extended. Um, there'll be a cutoff. So if you're, you know, two years from retirement, don't fret. But, you know, I'm 45 years old. I think there's a very good chance that my full retirement age will not be 67. It'll be a later date. Um, you know, I think 
they're going to probably start taxing more of your income if you're a higher wage earner. You're going to have to pay more into Social Security, even though you will not get more of a benefit down the line. It'll still be capped. Um, I think there's a good chance um, that taxation will change on Social Security. You know, right now, the Social Security that you're taxed on is based upon your outside income, and only up to 85% of it can be taxed. But ultimately, you know, they might end up taxing it at a much lower level um, and all the way up to 100%. Now, the one that you mentioned that's the most scary is that means testing. You know, you've been paying in at the highest rate in the country for your entire career. And now because you've saved a bunch, you're not entitled to any of the benefits. And that's what my clients are most fearful of. I don't know what they'll come up with, but I certainly know they're going to have to come up with something. Yeah, no doubt about it. And the thing about uh, being a client with Aptus is you get the benefit of Josh's wisdom and his team's wisdom on these matters. And Social Security itself can be a minefield. Like, when do you start taking it? Uh, what are you uh, compromising if you take it at, you know, full benefits at 62 or you wait till your check is bigger? There are just a lot of things that uh, enter into a complex equation like that. Social Security is usually a piece for everybody, but it might not be the main piece. And it may get to a point where you don't want it to be your main piece. All these questions are things that you can settle with Josh, or at least get an understanding for. Set up your free consultation, 614-917-1040, 614-917-1040. Make that appointment online, Aptus Wealth, A-P-T-U-S, aptuswealth.com. And we'll be back with more of the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Radio Show. Thanks for joining us on the Aptus Retirement Blueprint Radio Show. I'm Bruce Hooley here with Josh Pick of Aptus Wealth Management. Aptus is located in Lewis Center, not far from 23 and 270. Just off Route 750, they offer you a free no-obligation consultation. Why would you take a chance with your retirement? You've worked hard. You've saved your money. Have you invested your money? Are you investing your money? Are you investing it wisely? Are you maximizing what you can get? These are very challenging economic times. There's a lot of volatility out there. But there's a lot of good things out there, too. There are ways to mitigate your risk in markets. There are ways to get returns on investments that typically have not returned very much. But now treasuries and bonds are paying rates that have certainly outstripped what they typically do. You don't understand it? Well, welcome to the club. I didn't understand it either. That's when my wife and I decided we would turn our finances over to Aptus, and we have complete peace of mind with that. I think you might find it as well. Certainly, you can explore it with a free consultation. 614-917-1040 is the number to set that up, or you can do it online at aptuswealth.com. And Josh, I sometimes marvel at all the things that you guys have to keep track of and be on top of. And There's always something new coming up, and the thing that's coming up that uh, everybody has heard of, but I think everybody's a little bit, I don't know, maybe I'm just the one who's scared of it, is artificial intelligence, or as we refer to it just by uh, its acronym, AI. And I know that AI has made inroads into investing, and there are ways that you can set up algorithms and computer programs to invest and to monitor markets and to build in safeguards and all those kinds of things, but then AI can also be misused and can play into things like identity theft and stealing money and all those sorts of things. So give me a little bit of an update on uh, where AI sits in terms of uh, financial planning and, you know, growing people's investments and things like that. And the one thing that I think everybody's curious about is how can they best shield themselves from cyber threats that are out there that may be amped up a level by AI? Well, computer algorithms are nothing new to investing. We've been using those for decades and decades and decades, and and many hedge funds have used some form of computer algorithm. I think the big difference between the standard computer algorithm and the AI of today is that algorithms didn't learn. 
And now you have artificial intelligence constantly evolving and learning. And even if you look at, at something like chat GPT, uh, I, I think we're probably on like the fourth or fifth or maybe even sixth iteration of that. When you saw the first iteration and you went online, it was like, well, I mean, it, it's cute. It's kind of a cool little novelty. But then fast forward in just a matter of a couple of years, not even a couple of years, and the darn thing will print you a children's book within 10 seconds that's better than any children's book that you've probably ever read. And you can come up with the storyline, the characters have it illustrated. I mean, it's quite remarkable. And fast forward that into investing, I think everybody is you know, very optimistic about its ability to learn and develop strategies for the market very, very quickly, recognize things even potentially like black swans, when a black swan would be something like you know, uh, Black Monday back in 1987 or the credit crisis that occurred back in 2008, 2009. But for everybody who's excited about it, there's also the evil side of it, which is what you just mentioned, like, well, are scams going to get so good that there's no way for us to differentiate between reality and a scam? And I think the answer is large in part, yes. And it's a very trying, terrifying time. I mean, I can think of a couple scams that weren't even AI that were so good that they almost got me. For example, I received a letter one time from uh, the IRS. It was on what appeared to be IRS letterhead. Everything looked like every other IRS uh, you know, piece of correspondence I've ever received. It said to call a number when I called. It was an 800 number that answered identically to the way the IRS line uh, enters, but if you were calling from a certain brand of cell phone, when they asked you to click in certain options and then type in the last X digits of your social security number, that gave them the missing parts and pieces to what they needed to be able to essentially steal your identity. Now that's pretty remarkable and a pretty elaborate scheme, but now fast forward that to what AI will be able to do. It'll be building websites and building the whole, whole you know areas where you can enter in information and, and they're going to look like you're going to Amazon when reality, you're going to some other site and putting all your credit card information in and they're stealing it from you. So I think the only way that you can, you know, while that's terrifying, uh, what are some ways that you can kind of protect yourself? Well, I think, you know, one, as annoying as it is that we have this multi-factor authentication, you know, every time you want to log into a website, they have to send you a, a code via text message. That's a pain and I hate it. And I'm sure you do too but you should use it. I think I think it's time where we can't just say, well, why do they make me do that? I think we should do that. Um, the other thing is, you know, maybe choose some harder to guess passwords. Maybe your password shouldn't be password one, two, three, four, right? <laughs> or or uh, open for me is my yeah. password. You know, I mean, I, I don't think that that's a great idea. Maybe, you know, use a password that isn't your, you know, your birthday. Uh, that's probably not the best password. And then, Here's something that we're all guilty of, and we use it because it works. And, and think of the airport. We go to the airport, everybody's trying to use cell service, so we just log on to this unsecured server, and then while we're there, we go, oh, check my account balances. Anytime you check into an unsecured network, it could be a ghost network that somebody in that airport has put out that looks like the airport's network. For example, they can actually mimic, if it says, let's say, uh, you know, Columbus International Airport. All right, well, I'll go in and I'll put Columbus, but I'll spell it without an M, International Airport. And do you really look at it that closely? 
And if there's, or Columbus International Airport 1, Columbus International Airport 2, Columbus International Airport 3, and there's 20 of them, which one do you select? They're all insecure, and one of those may be turning over the keys to the castle to your entire phone to somebody that happens to be sitting right next to you that just looks like they're looking at work email. So you got to be very, very careful of all this kind of stuff. And then, you know, I think debit cards are much riskier than credit cards. At least with credit cards, you have some sort of, you know, these people are not really me that took my money and there's a chip encryption. Whereas a debit card, you're giving somebody access to your entire checking account balance. And when you call the bank and go, well, that wasn't me. That's a much harder fight to fight. Josh Bick, Bruce Hooley with you. And this is just good advice for anything. I think everybody has a fear of, of identity theft. And I think probably most of us have in some way, shape or form, been compromised, maybe not through our own mistake, but through, you know, some entity that we were a part of that got hacked, uh, which this is another benefit of having Josh and his team on your case uh, at Aptus Wealth Management is that this kind of practical advice that can bleed over into other other aspects of your life. 614-917-1040 to set up your free consultation. You can do it also online. Make your appointment online, that is, at Aptus Wealth, A-P-T-U-S, aptuswealth.com. My wife's a lot more vigilant to this stuff than I am. I am I guess I'm uh, clueless to the fact that people can be this nefarious and this uh, targeted in trying to steal your money. Uh, but I'm, I'm now of the mindset that we're going to get a VPN, which is a virtual private network, which builds in another layer of protection. Uh, you got to go through all kinds of, I'm sure, password hoops and things like that. Do you have any advice for people on uh, uh, on a VPN, their own virtual private network, the merits of that? And do you have any advice for them on how to, you know, keep track of you? Everybody can have a different password. My my difficulty is in remembering them. Uh, do you have any practical advice for people on passwords, not just as it pertains to their financial accounts, but to other things? Well, I'm certainly not an IT expert. I, I employ people that handle that for me. But at the same time, I think we're beyond the level at this point of just being able to email, uh, you know, very um, important pieces of information about ourselves uh, just back and forth. So, you know, I would say anytime you're putting your social security number out there, anytime you're putting out your, you know, account numbers in totality, that should all be sent in some form of encrypted way. So, for example, when people do business with us and they say, hey, you know, I, I found this was a perfect example. You and I, we had a conversation. Yeah. He said, I found this statement. I didn't even know I had this account. Um, can we transfer it over? Well, of course we can. And the first thing that I said to you was, um, let me send you an encrypted link. So we send you over an encrypted link. It works like a Dropbox in your regular email. You drag and drop that scan file in there. It comes to me. And at least you know that it's protected against those uh, nefarious people that you mentioned. Um, you know, I mean, there's, there's other things you can do, but I think, you know, common sense is probably the most practical thing. Just view anything you're doing where you hit the send button, somebody can be seeing it. Anything that you enter in. So for example, you know, people will save all of their passwords, um, on their computer. Well, I, I guess that's okay. But as long as it's being saved in some sort of vault that's encrypted, like Apple, for example, automatically encrypts all of your passwords. But people will quite literally just have, you know, a Word document on their desktop with all their passwords written on it. Maybe not the best choice. So just kind of use common sense and know that there are some really amazing people out there from the IT space 
<laughs> that you, your computer is kind of an open book. So use a password, use good ones, and use common sense. Yeah, all great advice, all great advice. Uh, let's chat a little bit about uh, retirement. And, uh, you know, we always have, or at least uh, for a long time until, the, I think, during the Trump administration, they sort of took away or they established a standard deduction where it sort of made uh, more people uh, file just a short form of taxes, not so much uh, deducting taxes. We always hear this thing around tax time of uh, whether you should file jointly or whether you should file separately. And I wonder if that kind of question bleeds over into retirement, where it's very common in America now, Josh, to have uh, a couple that works. We don't have, you know, very many couples now where, uh, the one the, where the mom stays home or the dad stays home, pretty much everybody's a two income family now. And I wonder how much uh, you find or the or studies have shown couples have coordinated their retirement together or because very often the spouses work for different employers, they sort of operate their retirement accounts separately. And is there wisdom in that operating those accounts separately or is there a benefit to having a coordination between those two accounts? Well, sometimes, obviously, couples keep everything separate for reasons beyond, you know, the normal financial logic, but for maybe emotional reasons or for whatever reasons work in their household. So let's kind of ignore that group of people and say that we're, you, we're viewing our situation as a family unit and we're trying to get the most bang for our buck out of our savings or out of our, um, you know, filing our tax return, et cetera, like you had mentioned. I oftentimes see a lack of coordination really costing people money. And I can use an example from this week. I had a client who is the primary breadwinner. His wife works, um, you know, part-time essentially. She works there. As, he's an independent business owner. She works there for health insurance, essentially, uh, just to get the health coverage. And, you know, he said, well, you know, she doesn't make a lot of money. She works there just for health coverage. So we max out my 401k, but she doesn't contribute to her 401k at all. I said, that's great that you're maxing your 401k. But does her 401k have a match? And he goes, uh, I don't know. Uh, does yours have a match? Well, it does. What does it match? It matches dollar for dollar up to 3%. He's putting in, by the way, Bruce, like 15%. Wow. So clearly he's putting in far above his match. Turns out his wife's employer has a dollar for dollar 5% match. So let's think about it. He was putting in 15% and getting a total contribution of 18, right? Yeah, They could have got an extra 5% of free money off of her plan by just saying, why don't I back mine down by a little bit mm -hmm. and then put it into her plan? So they were giving up free money because he viewed it as, well, it's insignificant. It kind of gives her spending money. And that's great, but we have to coordinate that to some capacity. The other thing that I see oftentimes is that the primary breadwinner will usually be the one that maxes out their 401k the most, just like the scenario I gave you. But what if that plan is not nearly as robust, low cost as your spouse? If we say that, well, between me and my wife, we make $200,000 a year, but I make 175,000 of it. We want to save 25,000. There's nothing saying that you can't save her entire $25,000. And then you just spread the, you know, you, you do the little cup game, right? And the little shell game and you spread the money back over to, to her. So she has the spending money. The objective here is with the resources that we have, how do we maximize the benefit to us? 
Yeah, as I'm looking at uh, some of the research that I've done here, uh, the numbers say that one in four married couples fails to take full advantage of employers who make matching contributions to 401k retirement plans. And the oversight costs them nearly $700 a year on average. Uh, that number may not jump out at people as, oh, $700. I mean, it's a significant number to me. But Josh, you could speak to the uh, cumulative value of that over the period of time where a, a couple could be working. That is a really significant amount of money that somebody else, in this case, your employer, is waiting to contribute to, contribute to your retirement and you're not taking advantage of it, the cost is gonna be at the end of the day, a lot more than $700. Well, if you take $700 and you say, oh, well, it's only $700 a year, but we save that over the period of 40 years, we're talking about 150 to $200,000 of a difference. Ooh. Now, if you look at the average retiree has less than $200,000 in total retirement savings, I would say that moving the needle by 150 to $200,000 is quite significant. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so it can make a dramatic difference. And this applies if you start thinking about this. I think oftentimes when somebody meets with a financial planner, they assume, and not everybody, but some people assume that the first words out of their mouth are going to be, well, you're going to have to tighten your belt. You're going to have to start living on less. You're going to have to start doing all these things. You've done everything wrong up to this point. You're going to have to live like a pauper to get to where you need to go. And I don't want to say that for some people that's going to be a necessity because it will. But if we look at almost everybody and you just start kind of chopping away at these different things where you say, well, okay, I'm going to do, uh, I'm going to contribute this extra. I'm going to coordinate amongst 401ks, which gets us an extra 700 bucks a year, which is, you know, potentially six digits by retirement. Uh, on top of that, we're going to coordinate how we do our tax return. And that's going to save us another 700 bucks a year because of some things we're taking advantage of, whether it's an HSA or filing jointly versus filing separately versus doing an IRA contribution at the end of the year. Well, that saved another 700 bucks. Well, now we went from it's only $1,400 a year to it's $300,000 by the time we reach the retirement. Imagine if we could find even three, four, five of those things. What have you done differently in your life? I didn't change the way you were living at all. Right. All I did is move some stuff around in the most advantageous way, and it made a monumentous difference down the line. No doubt about it. And that is definitely one of the benefits, and there are many, of sitting for the free consultation with Josh and his team, becoming Aptus Wealth Management clients, 614-917-1040. I mean, look, the best endorsement I can give you is that Josh and the Aptus team are in control of my finances, and uh, I don't want to work until I'm 80. So I'll put them in charge of it because I had complete confidence in it in them. And that's not something that Josh bent my arm or twisted my arm to get me to do. Uh, we were friends for two, two and a half years before I finally asked him, why have you never asked me about whether or not I'd be interested in coming in? And he was like, look, you know, I figured if you're interested, you'd let me know. And that led to the conversation and led to us becoming clients. So very, uh, not even low pressure, it's no pressure, uh, no obligation consultation, 614-917-1040 to set yours up. And you can also make your appointment online at Aptus Wealth, A-P-T-U-S aptuswealth.com. You know, of course, we have been in this inflationary period. Gas has been up, food has been up and all this. I wonder uh, how many people have you had conversations with, Josh, about uh, them saying, look, I, I got to downsize what I've been uh, investing in my retirement just to meet my bills. Um, 
And then I'm sure that's a delicate conversation because those are real issues people have, but also that compounding of money that, you know, failing to take advantage in the short term of putting money aside, it becomes a much bigger number in the, in the end. How do you have those conversations with people when they may say like, look, things are tough and uh, I have to scale back a little bit right now in the short term. Well, I think in general, people uh, definitely feel the, the difference of inflation at the pump. They feel it at the grocery store, but just in general, I think people feel like they need to start living a little bit more conservatively because of the uncertainty that we had talked about earlier of what the future looks like. I think in general, uh, there's a large chunk of the U.S. population that believes that rosy times are not ahead and they want to prepare or build a war chest of sorts uh, in the way of you know money in case of an emergency break glass. Um, and I, I don't necessarily think that they're wrong, but I think that sometimes our approach and how we handle that can be wrong. On one hand, we say, well, we're going to start living on less, but we're not going to adjust where we put our money in a logical fashion. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to put 100% of my money in cash. I'm going to earn no money on it, and I'm going to prepare for the complete apocalypse, uh, which in that case, by the way, money wouldn't be worth anything if it was a complete apocalypse. But nevertheless, I'm going to kind of batten down the hatches. Or uh, I'm going to take the, you know, bury my head in the sand approach. I'm going to live my life the exact same way, invest the exact same way I have, and we'll just, you know, cross our fingers and be eternally optimistic and hope that it plays out. Um, but I, I think that there's some things that you can do that are unarguable that will improve your psyche and your situation. And one of those is reduce your debt. I have yet to meet anyone, and you can chime in and let me know if you have, that had no debt that said, boy, I hate having no debt. <laughs> it's a terrible situation to be in, right? And, and I know that there's plenty of folks out there on TikTok and YouTubers saying, well, I use debt to my advantage to build wealth. And okay, that's fine. Um, you can do that if you want. But again, for 99% of the population, having no debt is not only a feel good, but it's a much safer position to be in. On top of that is a very tax advantageous place to be in. Because the less money that you need every month to take out of your retirement accounts to live on, the less taxes you have to pay. So if you're scared right now of, well, I think they're going to raise taxes and how are we going to handle these situations? Well, if you don't need a lot of money to live on every month because you have no bills, well, then your taxes are going to be a lot lower. So if you are, you know, very nervous about what the future looks like, take an aggressive stance on paying off some of the debt that is not at least collateralized by something that's appreciating. So think of everything other than your house and try and knock it down as much as you can. Number two, don't ignore that you can change where your investments are, but it doesn't mean that you have to go polar opposite end of the spectrum and take a proactive approach and talk to somebody about it and make logical steps. And then finally, Josh, as we head toward wrapping up here, uh, and again, this show will re-air tomorrow at noon, uh, there's been this longtime rule, I guess, this thought that uh, – 4% is uh, the 4% rule in retirement. I guess that's what you spend 4% a year. Uh, has that been impacted at all by inflation? Has that been adjusted or does the 4% rule, if you could define it for us, uh, still apply? Yeah, so the 4% rule came out by a guy named Markowitz who uh, won the Nobel Prize that year uh, for you know finance for his analysis of over a long period of time, as long as you had at least 40%, but no more than 60% in the stock market and vice versa in the bond market and you 
didn't pull out more than 4% of your money per year that you could adjust your income by inflation for the remainder of your life and you wouldn't run out of money. And we've had many different articles that we've talked about on this show of, well, the death of the 4%, is it now 3%? And then other people say, no, it's 5%. And people say, no, it's 2%. And there's this constant argument over what can we pull. And I just saw a, a new one recently where it was actually the 4.7% rule. So I guess this particular person <laughs> wanted to be very specific. Um, and, you know, it's called the safe max withdrawal rate. Uh, and, you know, I think the takeaway here is, is there a rate that you cannot exceed and not run out of money? Of course there is, but it's individual. Not everybody's going to put all their money, 60% stocks, 40% bonds, nor would that make sense forever necessarily, that you have to design a plan that meets your expectations. And the only thing that I can say is take all of those anecdotal pieces of evidence where you, you heard in an elevator somewhere where somebody said something or that you read Money Magazine and develop a plan for you based upon what you're comfortable with that is going to make it for you. And that's what we can do for you. Yeah, that is absolutely what they can do for you at Aptus. And that is what they did for Sherry and I. And that is what I would found so attractive about their approach to it is that they do not have the same answer for everyone, but they have an answer for everyone, the blueprint. And they give you different tracks and they tell you where you'll be if you proceed on different tracks. It's a really phenomenal experience. You will learn from it. There is no obligation. Set it up, 614-917-1040. Do it online, Aptus Wealth, A-P-T-U-S, aptuswealth.com. Josh, great to talk to you, and we will talk to you again next week. You as well. Thanks, Bruce. The airing of this program by this station is not an endorsement or recommendation by the station of the products or services discussed in the program. The station does not guarantee the results of any investments made by a listener to this program. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.